Um, and I didn't get to preach my Mother's Day message last week. So I'm preaching it this morning. That's right. It's a Mother's Day message. Well, actually, it's a great Mother's Day graduation message. You don't believe me, do you? All right. I'm going to prove that to you. Let's pray. Ask God to direct us and help us this morning. Father, we need you to meet with us in power and in strength, as you promised to do. We need uh, the just to, to know in a very real way that God has met with us. And we're asking for that this morning and praying that you would speak to our hearts powerfully, clearly through your word. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say, that I would say the things that are right and that are good, and that your spirit would have freedom to work in the hearts and lives of every individual here, no matter what age they may be. And I pray that you would make clear to us the truth of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning, and that we would understand our responsibility by the end of the service, and that we would be willing to do what we ought so we might receive the blessing that comes in the promise in this scripture we'll look at today. And I'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. As a youth pastor a number of years ago, and that was a number of years ago, I was told about a place in Frank Frankfurt, Indiana, that had done something rather unusual. In fact, uh, I understand they're still around in different places. I actually did a search to find out if these are around any longer, but they built a large human maze. Have you ever seen any of those, those things like that? Uh, they have a bunch of posts that they put up, I think, about every six feet or so, and they have it in just a big square or rectangular type shape. Some 5,000 square feet they do where they have these posts, and then in between they either put panels up or they put up, I think now, kind of plastic-type pieces, and they make a human maze. So that you enter at one place, you actually like kind of st do a stamp thing with a, uh, with a machine that tells you the time. And you enter into this maze, and your goal is to get through the maze. Now, in the maze, there's four different towers. There's the, the main tower probably in the, in the center. And when you first enter, you're going to the main tower. And then you go to one in the far corner, and then another corner. And then you have a last tower that's about right near the end and then you would come out on the other side, and you stamp a time card at the end of that, and it tells you basically how long it took. The goal is to get through the maze. Hopefully the goal is to make, get through the maze before you know they close the place. Uh, and to go to each one of those towers, you get a stamp at each one of the towers where you have to stamp your little card so that you have proof that you actually got to each one of those places and you made it all the way through properly and you didn't slide under or slide through panels. You didn't cheat, all right? That's the whole idea. Anyway, we thought that would be a great thing for the youth to, to, to go on, and we did. We took a bunch of teenagers over to Frankfurt, Indiana, and we had just a blast that day. It was a lot of fun. Uh, going through this, this maze, again, they're about six feet tall, so you have these uh, panels. You, you can't really see necessarily where you're going. About the only time you really get a glimpse of the maze and, and the direction you're supposed to go or direction you can is when you climb up into this little wooden tower and you can kind of look out over and see a little bit of where you've been and where you're going and everything else. 
Well, you know, it's like just running all over the maze. The teens had a great time. I challenged them all to beat my time, but I'm sure I was the fastest of the day. But it's been too long since then. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I could prove that in any way, but I'm sure I was. Anyway, there were some young people who had a real difficult time in that maze. As you can imagine, there's a number of different ways you can go. Uh, you obviously would come to different places where there might be just two turnoffs, or maybe there might be three. You could go any direction at all. Some of those things would just lead you around back to the same place you were at. Some would be dead ends. There would only be one that basically would get you to the end and to the goal or to the next tower or wherever you needed to be. Uh, now, it was, it was a great time, but we found that some kids were getting frustrated. And we actually ended up where we would get up in a tower, we'd find the way, and then we'd kind of look out and, and we would direct some of the teenagers that were having a hard time so that they could actually get to the next place. Um, I didn't do too well time-wise when we did that, but we were trying to help them so that they would all have a good time. Um, you say, well, what does that have to do with graduation day or Mother's Day, uh, if so be? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, because as I thought about those mazes, I thought about how really life is a lot like a maze. There are many paths for us to take in life. Paths that will lead us down, in some cases, dead ends. Paths that will lead us many times in the wrong direction, or maybe in a way that seems like the right direction, but won't get us where we need to be next, because quite honestly, life is a lot like a maze, and there are many paths and many ways to go. And since they are, we need help. I thought about those teenagers, some of them whom were frustrated because, well, quite honestly, I think probably uh, we had already been through once, and we were going through the second time, and they were still trying to get through the first time. It was like, I can't figure it out. I don't know how to get there. And so having someone to direct you, having someone to guide you, having someone to maybe tell you the next step to take or the next thing to do was a great blessing and a great help. I am thankful that I know the maker of the maze of life. And I am thankful that the one who has made the maze of life knows the right way to go. And I also rejoice this morning that I can tell you that he has a direction for your life and he wants to guide you in it. And so today I have you in the book of Proverbs, but I didn't tell you the reference because you would know what the verse was. And you'd probably go to sleep before I got through the opening illustration. So turn to Proverbs chapter 3. You might not even need to look at it because you have it memorized. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is a very appropriate verse, verses, passage of Scripture, to help graduates as they make many decisions about the next path of life. But quite honestly, it applies to mothers. There are a lot of decisions that moms and dads have to make in regard to their home, in regard to the rearing of children, in regard to finances and decisions that have to be made as a, as a, as a couple, and sometimes as individuals or as a mother or a father. Decisions that have to be made, paths that we can take. And many of those paths will lead us down the wrong way and won't get us to the next tower. And I am so thankful that there is a God in heaven that not only has designed the maze, but a God in heaven who said, I will direct your paths. 
and he wants to. And so whether you are a mom or a dad who need direction in the rearing of your children, or whether you are a grandparent who needs direction on, on maybe how to help your grandchildren know Bible truth that you're supposed to teach them in, or whether you are a college or high school graduate or someone that hasn't yet graduated this morning, it matters not. We all need direction, and we need it from God. Because He is the one who not only has made the maze, but He is the one who can direct us in the right way, and He is the one who says, I will, if you're willing. So, say the verses with me, and let's join together this morning and think about what God has to say. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God has promised to direct our paths. And it's my prayer that today you will think through these verses. I know they're familiar. Sometimes we hesitate to preach on the familiar because we think everyone's heard everything about that verse. And sometimes, I know, because I have a tendency humanly to do this, say, I already understand that verse, so I don't have to listen as much. But you do. So this morning, I urge you, to give your heart and mind to the truths of this verse and ask God to direct your mind and your heart to understand what God wants you to know today. God can see the whole picture. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? He knows the right path. Maybe a little bit like we were, although we were still weren't perfect. Even when we were up there, sometimes we would direct them the wrong way because we couldn't always see exactly maybe where they were and what was going on. God has the great view of the maze of life. And he knows exactly the way to go, and he longs to direct your path. So this morning, let's look at this, this passage, and let's see very simply what God wants. First, we start with the end. The result, I'll put it that way, the result. The result that God talks about in this passage is very important for all young people, but again, it's important for everyone in life. He shall direct thy paths. I want you to think about the result that God promises here in Proverbs chapter 3, because it's a promise that most everyone wants. Isn't that true? Well, at least people who are interested in serving God in any way, shape, or form want direction from God in life. Whether that direction is exactly the way we want to go is a, is a different story and a different subject that this passage actually deals with. But the fact of the matter is, if you are a Christian who loves God at all, you want to know what God's direction is for life. So let's think about the results and what God says here. First, he promises personal direction. Do you see that? And he shall direct thy paths. Now, that's encouraging to me. I already told you that as we were going through the maze and we got up in the tower, we were able to help the young people behind us. But our guidance wasn't always perfect because we couldn't see everything perfectly even when we were up a little bit above the panels. What's hopeful in this passage is that the one who made it, the one who can see everything, the one who knows the perfect path to follow is willing to give us the instructions we need, is willing to lead us in the path. Who is the he in this passage? Well, if you go back to verse 5, he says, trust in the it's the Lord. It's the Lord himself. All right, 
Who is the Lord? Well, this word for God is Jehovah, who, which means he is the eternal, self-existent God who knows everything, can do everything, and intimately knows you and knows the path that you need to take. He knows where the end is. He knows how to get you there. He knows where the tower is that you need to be at next. He knows what, play, what way is going to be a dead end. He knows what things are going to be frustrating in life. And he is the one who says, hey, look, I want to direct you in life. I want you to know the next step to take. I want you to know the right path. I don't want you going down dead ends. I don't want you to be miserable in life. I don't want you to be frustrated. I want you to know the path for life. And I am promising this morning, if you will do, this is what God says, if you will do what I tell you in these verses, then I will direct your paths. Are you encouraged by that? You know, to think... It's an amazing thought that the God of heaven would be interested in my life to the point where he's willing to say, hey, if you'll do what I say, I will direct your paths. I promise that. It is a promise from God, and it's something that you can claim this morning. It is, prom it is a, a wonderful thing. It's personal direction from Jehovah, the eternal self-existing God of heaven and earth. It's promised direction. I love what he tells us at the end of the verse. He, maybe, will direct your paths. He sometimes will direct your paths. He will leave you in the dark sometimes, but maybe, possibly, if you're good enough. That's not what he tells us here in this verse. He says, he shall. It's promised direction. It's not just personal but it's promised direction. Um, you know, it's, it's good to know that God won't leave you hanging in life. Um, young people who have graduated are making a lot of decisions, aren't they? Ellie, are there a lot of decisions to make about a wedding? Yeah, a few things, right? A few things going on. Uh, there's decisions now for you. Well, it was about college. We know where we're going to college, but but there are a lot of other decisions that are going to come. And as we get more independent, there's a lot of choices about ways to go and paths to take. And mom and dad will have advice and counsel you should listen to, but you'll have to make those decisions. You know, Rachel? And you need God's direction for them. There are moms here and dads. You know, everyone has ideas on parenting, but there's only one idea that really matters. It's God's. And he is the one in this passage who said, I promise you direction if you'll follow what I've shared. And I don't know about you, but I need it with my family. I need it as a husband. My wife needs it. Whatever age you find yourself in, whatever area of life you're at, stage of life you're in right now, you need God's direction. And he's promised it. He shall direct thy paths. Now, in a moment, we're going to get to the requirements, all right? But before we get to the requirements, consider the promise here. He said, and he shall direct thy paths. What does that mean? You know, I say, well, that's pretty simple. He's going to direct our paths. Okay, all right, that's true. Literally, it means he'll make your road straight. I like that. He'll make your road straight. 
Now, that doesn't mean that God is going to always send you down a path that's easy. It doesn't mean that troubles won't come. It won't mean that the path that he sends you on will appear at times to be the wrong one. By the way, there were, there were times we were going down the right path, and we weren't exactly sure of that. Maybe even turned around a couple times when we were in the maze, because we were thinking, oh, no, it looks like it's going to get blocked up there, so let's go here. But the truth of the matter is God has said that he would make our road straight. And I think the best way to explain this, to properly interpret it, is that this, that God is going to make our way plain. He'll help us know the direction we need to take, the way that is right, the way that is best. By the way, that doesn't mean we'll always make right choices. And do you know why? Because, because we have our own understanding. Does that sound like something you're going to read about in the verses previous? Because we have a heart that many times wants to go this path in this direction. Dead ends, mind you. But because we don't know what's best, and because we think we do, isn't that true? Sometimes we want to go this way. Sometimes we want to go that way. But God says, hey, look, if you will do what I've told you to do, then I, I, I want you to know I'll make your path plain. And by the way, I will also say this. That doesn't mean that every time when I go down the path, I'm going to say confidently, this is absolutely positively the right path. Have you ever made a decision and you've wondered about it all the way along until you got to the end and said, you know, that was the right decision? You ever been there? God isn't promising that when we go through the path of life, there won't be times where we have questions. But God does say that he'll make it plain and he'll help us in the path of life that we need to go. If we'll do what he's asked. So young people, when it comes to making a decision about a mate or college or a career, or maybe the lesser decisions, buying a car, what kind of car, God isn't going to share with you by this make and model. But God will direct you in the manner of finances and making decisions in regard to whether I should, whether I should borrow for a car. There are a lot of decisions in life. I just need God's path. And what is so encouraging in this passage, and this is why these verses are so precious to people, is that that's what God promises to do. He promises to direct our paths. But you can't get to the end of the ver the, these verses without going through the first three parts. So this morning, our time needs to really be spent on an understanding. It's wonderful to talk about the results, but we really do need to think about the requirements. So what does God say? He says, I'll direct your, your paths. I'll direct the way. I'll make your road plain. That's what I want. I want you to know the path of life. I want you to have direction when you're making decisions about child rearing. I want you to have help when you're making financial decisions. I want you to know about the right kind of mate, the right kind of friends to have, the, the kind of decisions you need to make in life that will lead you down the right path and will lead you to the right end that I want you to be at someday. And God says he promised to do that, but he said that there are requirements. So what are the requirements? <laughs> it's so easy, right? Well, it's easy to talk about them. It's easy to say them. Not always so easy to do them. But let's look at the requirements. What is the first requirement? Say it with me. It's right there. 
This isn't a trick question, all right? It's right before you. So tell me, what is the first requirement if I expect God to direct my paths? Very good. You got to say the whole thing, though. So say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. The word trust means literally to flee for protection. It was interesting to me as I was reading about this passage. One writer uh, said this word originally had the idea of something that, um, that really brought it home to me. The idea of this word, he said, was literally someone lying flat on their face. Okay, there you go. There you have it. Okay, uh, Someone lying flat on their face. Uh, before God. The idea of trust in the Lord is that I'm not depending on me. I am absolutely, wholly, 100% prostrating myself before God and saying, God, I, I want your way. I want your path because your path is right, because you know the right path for life. That's what I want. It's trust in the Lord. I'm running to God. I am totally dependent upon God. I want what he wants for my life. Running to God for his help. Running to God for his aid. And by the way, if you understand these verses, it's not after you've already made the decision you come to a dead end. It's really before you ever get to the paths. It's where you're living a life of trust in the Lord, of reliance upon the Lord of dependence upon him, of prostrating yourself before him and saying, God, I want your direction in life, so I am looking to you, and I am trusting in you, and I am leaning upon you, and I am running to you, and, and my hope is in you. In fact, the Bible translates it a number of different times as hope in the Old Testament, this word. In, Proverbs, uh, in Psalm 62, 8, the Bible says, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And I think that well explains what's going on here. Just, just Lord God, here's my life. Here I am. I am absolutely positively trusting in you. And I need you to direct my paths now. You know, a lot of times... The time we start praying, and I, I, I'm thankful that there's a God of mercy who understands and, and often shows us grace. But often the times we look to God is when we get to the dead end and we're frustrated and we've come to the end of our ways. And then we say, okay, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do now. When, when God, I think in heart, would be saying, I never wanted you to be in this place and had you asked me at that intersection, I could have saved you. You know, I wonder how many times God has said that to me. You ever tell that to your kids, you know? Well, it's a little late now. You know, I told you so. You ever done that? I wonder how many times God has done that with me. Because I wasn't already trusting in the Lord with all my heart. And by the way, he does say with all your heart. It's wholehearted trust. You say, well, why, did, why does God require wholehearted trust? Well, because the path God sends us on may be hard. 
Can I, can I tell you that when you make decisions, moms, my Mother's Day message, I can't miss this, right? Moms, when you make decisions about discipline of your children, it will be, if you follow God's plan, it will be in absolute opposition to what the world tells you is right. And quite honestly, you may face a lot of pressure for it. You may have your parents who hate you for it, and you might even be turned in for it. Because God's plan is hated by the world in the matter of discipline. So why does God say you have to trust in him with all your heart? Because quite honestly, the path that he will sometimes lead you down will be one that just won't be easy. And it might lead to great problems and troubles. And so he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There's a story, I think we'll picture it for us. Uh, Back a a while ago, there was a, a, a lady who was reading the Saturday paper. She said this, I found a very special story about a high school freshman who was preparing for a track meet. The freshman was a shoulder length, had shoulder length brown hair. She looked like most runners her own age. Thin, because all runners are thin, right? Focused, intent on the race ahead, undistracted. Uh, her face was turned downward, down the path she needed to run. She held one hand at her right ear. In the other, she carries a tiny radio attached to her waist. Nearby, her father, Matt McCarthy, speaks into a small transmitter because Natalie McCarthy, the ordinary-looking girl in the picture, is blind. Nearly, totally blind. But she runs for her high school in the 100 meter and the 200 meter. You say, well, how could that possibly be? She runs by radio. She listens to the earpiece for the voice of her father. And so as her father directs, she runs. And she runs at full speed toward a goal she cannot see. With competitors, she can only hear. Over obstacles, she can only imagine. Hers is a picture of our path in life. Because quite honestly, you and I can't see the end. And we need to be listening to the voice of our Father in our ear, totally dependent upon Him to direct us the right way down the right path. And if we don't listen to him, we're in trouble. Natalie found great success because she learned to trust in the one who could direct her the right way. With, quite honestly, all of her heart because she couldn't go the right way without it. And quite honestly, you and I are the same. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Are you in a place, and I ask this sincerely today, are you in a place that God can direct you because you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Maybe our attitude should be like Natalie. And we ought to be saying today, Father, I can't see the path to take. I'm totally dependent upon you to go the right way. I'm listening. 
I'm listening. And I'll trust you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There's a second requirement. You see, you can preach this message simple enough, can't you? Join with me and let's say what the second requirement is. Lean not unto thine own understanding. I don't know if you really believe that. So let's say it again. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Do you know the greatest problem, I think, in having God's direction in his life is our own understanding? Our flesh tells us the way we want to go, the way we ought to go, what we think is the right way to go, and quite honestly, when we get a bunch of other counsel and everything else, our mind determines the direction and we just want to go it, and that is where we get in trouble. And that's why God had to tell us, not only do we need to trust him with all our heart, but we can't lean on our own understanding. The word lean means to support yourself or rely. Your own understanding isn't always right. And, and here's the truth we are taught all the time, and even churches are teaching it today. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Your heart will always tell you what's right. Your heart won't always tell you what's right. Lean not unto thine own understanding. You want to have my direction in the paths of life, then listen. You can't go by what you think. You can't follow your heart. Now you say, well, wait a second, Pastor. Does it, won't my heart be in the right direction if I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart? Okay, yeah, well, if all these other things are true, then there will be times that God will set my heart on the things that are right. In fact, uh, I think that is consistent with Scripture. But what he's bringing out here in this passage is this, uh, this sinful heart that so often when we come to a crossroads in life wants to take us a path that isn't what God wants and isn't best and won't get us to the end that God desires. And it's that understanding that I have to put aside. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. God says this in Romans 12, 16, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. I got this. My wisdom is best. I know the way to I don't even need to talk to the Lord about this one. You know, if you say that, you're in trouble. Because your own understanding, God says, is not always going to lead you down the right path. So if you're going to make the right choices in life, you've got to be willing to listen to God and not lean upon your own thinking. There's a story told about General Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, June 4th, 1944 was a beautiful night. They were at, he and many of the Allied troop leaders were at Southwick House, their English command post. They were making the decision about when to launch the D-Day invasion, which ultimately turned the tide of World War II. Colonel Page was the chief army meteor meteorologist, and he told them, in contradictory to the weather that they were seeing all around them, that the next day, gale force winds and high tides would be assaulting the Normandy beaches by morning. 
So Eisenhower either could believe what he saw or he could believe the words of a man who saw the whole picture. What would his decision be? That night he said, no go. Even though his decision cost the Allied forces an invasion window that was their first choice, and it would prolong the wait for 180,000 troops who were waiting on their ships, ready to move. But he said, no go. Because he wasn't going to lean on his own understanding. The next day, it was stormy, as Colonel Page had said it was going to be. It wasn't a good day at all. But even though it looked bad, and even though that day was bad, Colonel Page predicted improved weather the next day with moderate wind and tides and lifting haze. General Eisenhower had to choose between what he could see and the authority who said, this will be a good time. After pausing for a few minutes, he said, let's go. The room was cleared in seconds, and the rest is history. You see, he couldn't lean on his own understanding because it was limited. And so is ours. If I want the right path in life, I've got to come, first of all, to a place where I say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with all my heart. I wholeheartedly... I'm willing to follow. Whatever you tell me, whatever path you lead me down, whatever it is. And then I have to be willing to say, you know, I, my heart may tell me something, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to lean on my own. I'm going to follow what you have for me. It is a fact that in most situations, we have our own idea about what we should do. I rarely talk to someone who doesn't have an idea what they should do. Oh, sometimes. I have no idea. But then they'll tell you what they think they should do. Seriously. Who doesn't have some idea? And we've got to make sure it's God's idea. Not our own. So are you in a place where God can direct you because you're not leaning on your own understanding, but you're leaning on his? There's a third requirement. Are you starting to get, that? I actually am following through the verses now. You see that? It's unusual, isn't it? So, what does God say? What's the third step? Very good preaching this morning. Thank you. Let's say it together again, all right? In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. What, what is God telling me to do? In this passage, well, the word ways is the course of life. So as you wander down the path of life, as you're in the maze, okay, um, here's the truth is you're going to be doing something all the time. You're either going to be going down a path or you're going to be making a decision about a path. And then you're going to be acting upon it. And what God tells us in this verse is, that we need to, in all those ways, as we're going down a path and as we're coming to a crossroad and we have to make a decision about what path to do, whatever it is, as we're moving through life, we need to, in all our ways, acknowledge him. One writer put it this way. I like the way he worded it. Begin, continue, and end every work, purpose, and device with God. Earnestly pray for his direction at the commencement. 
Look for his continual support in the progress. And so begin and continue that all may terminate in his glory. It's a good way to put it, isn't it? Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The word works there means your actions. All your actions are to be committed to the Lord. And a result will be a mind that's established. This is what should, where we should go. This is the direction we should go. I read about Bible characters. I think David is an example of this in many, in many ways. There are times where I see David making decisions. They seem to be his own, and he gets in trouble. And then there are other times where David goes, many times when he was in the woods hiding from Saul, and he inquires of God, what should I do here? What's my next step? Lord, what a, he grabbed the, the ephod which was a way that they, they communicated with God in that day. He said, God, I need your direction. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Now, um, David received audible responses sometimes from God. We don't receive audible responses, at least I hope you don't. If, if you do, we need to have another conversation, all right? We'll talk with you sometime later about that. But... The truth of the matter is God does speak. Um, he's speaking through this book. Did you hear from him this morning? Did you even listen to him this morning? If I want God to direct my paths in all my ways, I need to acknowledge him. So I need to be listening to God. You're here at church. That's a good thing. It's a chance to listen and hear from God. You can take your Bible home and you can read it each and every day. So will you listen to God every day? Will you acknowledge him? In every step you take, do you ask God directly for his direction or guidance daily? Do you ask him about the path you would take or you should take? Are you looking for instructions in his word? Does his spirit have control of your life? Because if I want God to direct my paths, then I need to acknowledge him in all my ways. Now that deals with kind of the first part of the phrase, in all thy ways. But there's two words at the end that are very interesting. It's acknowledge him. Do you know what it means to acknowledge him? I've always thought my idea of that was, was just this, that I'm always just saying, okay, Lord, every step I'm going to take, I'll let you direct my life and just need to acknowledge that. But it literally means to know him. And that's interesting. It's not just that I'm saying, okay, God, in every step I'm going to take, I'm just going to, I am going to do what you want me to do in all my ways. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to thoroughly make sure this is God's plan. But part of it is knowing him. And I think Paul explained it well when he said that the desire of his heart and life, in fact, the focus of his life, that I, might, that I may know him. And do you know that Peter wrote these words at the end of, of 2 Peter, right? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Do you know why some people don't know the path of life? Seriously, they don't know God. They don't know him. They don't know what he thinks. That's why I said you, you've got to be in the book. Because in the book, God tells you many times his path. But it's getting to the place where I know God that's going to help me know the path of life. And it is interesting to me that the more I'm in the word of God, the more I'm walking with God, the more I'm in fellowship with him, the greater I get to know him, the more, um, quite honestly, there aren't those questions about the path. They seem to be a lot clearer the closer I am to him, the better I know him, the more intimately I know him the more I have his direction for life. Well, what step am I supposed to take? What am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> I have four different job opportunities. I mean, when you have one, it's kind of simple, isn't it? I, I have 30 different cars I could buy. Does it matter? Isn't that a path? There are a lot of decisions in life that the truth is, the better I know him, the better I'll be able to make the decision about the right one as he leads. Because he said, he shall direct thy paths. Do you need that? I do. But quite honestly, what I desire that's at the end of this passage gets waylaid, unfortunately, in the first three requirements. Because sometimes I'm not willing to lay myself before the Lord and say, God, I am totally yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Sometimes the, the problem is my own understanding says, this would be the best way. It's the easiest. Sometimes. I'm just not as close to him as I ought to be. And so I'm not able to know him. And therefore not able to have his leading. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know this. God gives. This is why it's a memory verse. Most have learned. God gives a wonderful promise here that he wants you to know. Question is, are you in a place where God can direct your paths? And if not, then you know what would be a great thing to do today? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding and in all thy ways acknowledge him. So what's the response? Contemplation. Do I have and do I know and do I want the direct direction of God for my life? Confession. I'm not doing what I ought, Lord, but I want your direction and I'm willing to lay my life on the altar and do whatever you want me to do. Consecration. God, whatever you tell me, I will do. And then your conduct. What needs to change? How can I learn in situations to stop leaning on my own understanding? God, 
today, I want your direction, and here's what I'm going to do. So the fact of the matter is we all need God's direction in life. Life is a maze. A lot of ways to go. Right ways, wrong ways. And if you want to have God make your path straight, then here's what you have to do. You ready? You can say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and then he shall direct thy paths. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Um,